Anybody, anybody have things in your life where sometimes you look at it and it's like, man, it's just too big for me to handle? I've had things in my life where it's just too big for me. Some of, some of you are like, yeah, it's because you're short. It's not what I'm saying. Not because I'm short. There's, just, there's things out there that are just too big. Um, it just it seems impossible. If you could put the picture up of, of this El Capitan, um, she's going to put a picture up here in just a second, hopefully, that is it's El Capitan in Yosemite right there. That's part of it. See, that's, we've got these problems with our aspect ratio on the computer screen today. But that, you can see a little bit of, of this mountain. Uh, it's 3,000 feet high. And now, actually, go ahead and play the video. There's a guy named Alex. I want to get his last name right. Alex Honnold. If you've seen the movie Free Solo, awesome. If you haven't, you need to watch it. Because this guy is crazy. He climbed El Capitan 3,000 feet straight up in the air, barely any footholds or handholds, climbed it not just the 60 sometimes with a rope, but he climbed it without a rope. And everybody who is a, a climber pretty much says that you have to be insane to try to do this. Uh, seriously, it's worth watching this because I, as I was, <laughs> even that, I'm like serious. I was watching this guy and I, I lost it. Like, had to get up and go to the bathroom a couple times because it was ridiculous. I am terrified of heights. Anybody terrified of heights? My, most of my life, absolutely terrified. I got up and I did, I went and hang glided. I don't know if that's the t- way that you'd say that, but I hang glue. <laughs> That's even more fun. Because uh, my wife went up, and she did it at like 3,000 feet. And I'm like, well, I'm more of a man than her, so I got to go up and do it too. And, I, and so I did it. But I used to paint houses when I was in high school and college. That's how I'd make money. And um, I hated going up on ladders. I'd be like 20 feet up on a ladder, and I'm like, like I, you can die from this height if you fall, right? Um, and I'd, I'd get up there, and I never want to go p- past this point on the ladder um, and so I'd be reaching, trying, and I, sometimes I couldn't get it, and so I'd, I'd get to this spot right here, and then I'm like holding on, and terrified the whole time. And I remember one house. Uh, so what, what, I would I'd go to these houses, I'd put an ad in the paper, they'd call me up, hey, I need painting. I'd go to the house, make a bid, and I'd usually get the bid because I was a high school kid and I was cheap. And so I went to this one house, and I remember it was like two, it might have been three stories high, just getting up to the, the, the main part was going to be really hard. But then up on the roof, there was another spot up on the roof that needed to be painted. And I'm, so I'm looking at this. I'm like, I got to get up on this roof. And I think I have to get a ladder on the roof to get this next spot. Normally, I would figure out how many hours it'd take me. And I'd be like, okay, $15 an hour or so. And, and I'd make my bid. I don't know how I calculated this house. It probably calculated to like $1,000 an hour. I'm not sure, because I wanted to make sure this woman would not call me back. And if she did call me back, I was going to hire somebody who actually knew what they were doing. And I was going to, like, just have them do it. So I was terrified. I hate heights. And there are just some things in our lives that are too big for us. And one of those areas that, that, that I think of is some of the people in my life. Thinking about telling them about Jesus. Getting them to the point where they would maybe accept Jesus. That's a terrifyingly too big thing for me sometimes. It's like standing at the bottom of El Capitan, looking at the top and thinking, I got to climb that thing. And then somebody telling you, yeah, you got to do it with, without a rope too. It's just insane. It's, it's impossible. So last week we started this bring series. And it's, it's one of these four words that we use at Central, bring, belong, serve, and grow. And we really believe, we value the idea that as a church, we want to be bringing people to know who Jesus is. 
I think part of it is we want to bring the best of ourselves as we worship God, but it's really an, an others-centric kind of a thing. But the truth of it is, is bringing people to Jesus, it can be a daunting task for us. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 3.18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I want that verse to be branded into your mind, into my mind, into our hearts. I want, to, I want you to just sit there. That there are people who live as enemies of the cross of Jesus. There are people who are truly living their lives as though they are enemies of Jesus. And there's this thought in my brain, am I really supposed to be one that's supposed to bring them to a place where they are no longer an enemy of Christ? It just seems too big. But I want to, I want to break it down I won't go there quite yet. Does, in your own heart and mind, are there people in your heart where you, you have a, a yearning, a burning in your heart for, for them to know who Jesus is? Do you ever get to the point, like Paul was saying there, that he gets to the point of tears, thinking about the people who don't know Jesus? Is it, is it so deep in your soul that, that you want them to know that it's, it's burning in you? Um, as a part of our... Uh, as a part of our Bring series, we're starting up new small groups. Just last, this last week, we started up our new small groups. If you are not a part of a small group, I would encourage you, find some people to, that you might know or that you don't know and bring some people together and go through this series that we're doing. There's, we got videos online. We've got books in the back that you can purchase uh, to help you go through the study. But uh, we, we started going through this study this week, and our small group uh, this first study, it talked about Luke. And Luke was a, a physician. He was a super detailed guy. And in the first chapter of Luke, chapter one, the gospel, Luke is saying that he is writing for his friend Theophilus. I want to read this to you. Verses three and four, he says, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided to write an orderly account about Jesus for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. So in our small groups, the question came up, who is our Theophilus? Who's that person that, that you are just, you would do anything to get them to know the, the gospel, to get them to know the incredible grace that Jesus has for them? Who's that person that you're just aching for that to happen? Um, if you're a parent, your Theophilus probably is your children. Um, and even if, even if our children are following after Jesus, there's a good chance that you know you, you will continue to have to teach them the right things about the gospel for years. Um, my wife and me know that there's times where our daughters maybe start to think something that's not completely true about themselves or about, about the world, and it's like you've got to redirect them to show them again what truth is. Or they start to, they start to think thoughts about themselves that are not right. They start to maybe misbehave in certain ways because they're just not thinking right. They're not thinking the gospel out the right way. We're constantly driven to help our kids get this. But, but I think we need to have something more than just the people in our family that are our Theophilus, the people that we want to see get this, get this gospel. I have a kid, um, I was tell, again, I was telling my small group this one. Um, there's a kid that I used to have in my youth group quite a few years ago now. Um, but in about 17 years of doing youth ministry, there's only been one kid that I've been absolutely terrified of as a human being. It's not because this kid was like super large, but he could have he, he broken me in half. He actually, after, after being in high school, he turned pro as an MMA fighter. 
Um, so he fights with like King of the Cage, and his first, I think out of his first four professional MMA fights, he literally broke the guy's arm. That's, that's this kid that I was working with. Guy got, he got the guy in a hold, guy didn't tap out, and he's like, oh, all right. Every time I think about it, I'm, I cringe. Um, but there's something I loved about this kid. He was rough around the edges, but there was something inside of him where he, he, wanted, to, he wanted to figure things out with God. And, and at, whenever kids would graduate from high school, I would give them a devotional or a Bible, kind of whatever they were needing at the time. And this kid, I gave him a, a, a book of questions, answering questions about the Christian faith. And he would read through it. And I actually remember one time he went on Facebook and he, he put that, he put a picture of the book on Facebook and he said, my youth pastor gave me this and I, you know, when I'm struggling, I go to this and it gives me good answers. And I ran across him in Lactiflambo last summer and he's like, hey, Kellen, do you, do you have any more of those books? I, I totally lost it. I don't know where it is. I'm like, I don't know, dude, but I'll, I'll send you something. So right now, actually on my, in my kitchen counter, I've got I got two books I'm, I'm trying to send him out this week. It's, one's a story Bible. It's a, it's a Bible that just takes you through the story really well of the Bible. Another one's Purpose Driven Life. And the reason for it is this kid is my Theophilus. He's somebody that I want to do whatever I can so that he can understand what the gospel is, that he can get it. But if you're like me, the Theophilus in your life, thinking about them, it is, it's a daunting thing to think about sometimes. No matter what I do in teaching my kids about Jesus, they have, they have a choice to make at some point. They can either believe it and live it, or they can choose to go their own way. That can be a terrifying thought. It's like, like I said, it's like standing in front of El Capitan at the bottom thinking, how am I supposed to climb this? And let alone, how am I supposed to climb this without a rope? But that's part of the problem with our fears. We feel like we have to do this kind of thing all by ourselves. I believe Jesus gave you and me a rope to help us with the, Theoph- the Theophilus of our life. Uh, one thing that I found was really interesting I was go- as I was going through, working through this message, there's not a, bun- a bunch of scriptures in, in the Bible that talk about people praying for those who don't know Christ. Especially with Jesus. You don't see him praying like, Father, I, I help-, help this person to come to know who you are. In John chapter 17, right before he, he goes to the garden and he's going to be betrayed, he prays a big, huge prayer, but it's for believers and it's pe- for people who will believe. And I think the reason for that is Jesus, Jesus is God in flesh. And so it's not that he needs to go, be going and praying. He's just trying to pull people who are unbelievers to get them to believe in who he is. But then something cool happens with all these believers that he's brought around him. At the end of his life, he gives them a directive. But then he gives them a rope to help them in that directive. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, go out into the world and make disciples. Do what I've been doing now. It's up to you. And that's a super, super big directive. Like, that is a tough, tough thing for any of us to do. We're never gonna do it as well as Jesus did. Like, I think about it this way. I tell my kids, we're we're having dinner and I tell my kids, hey, why don't you guys take your plates? Well, maybe Crystal tells them, take your plates up to the, to the kitchen counter and, and then you guys can go play or whatever. And they'll, they'll do it. Even my youngest daughter, Finley, she's pretty good at taking her plate up there. But they don't, they don't see the 13,000 crumbs that they left on the table. And like, that's part of it. They don't see the, the crumbs that they left on the way to the sink because they didn't realize that their plate was dumped over the whole time that they were walking to the sink. Okay, and so 
I have to give them a rope. I am that rope. I will help them make it better. Um, when, when I ask them to clean up the bathroom, they pick up the towels off the floor, but then they put the towels in the towel rack and they don't see that it's crooked. When I tell them to move the, the coffee table back after they've been playing gymnastics in the living room, hey, move the coffee table back. They put it back, but they don't realize that it's not perfectly parallel with the couch. They need help. They need me to give them a rope. I'm that rope. I'm there to help them out. And when, when Jesus gives us a directive to go and make disciples, he's not going to leave us out to dry. He's going to give us a rope. And he does that by way of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 8, Jesus says, and this is just before he goes back up into heaven, this is like the last thing that he tells his disciples. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, as Jesus is leaving earth, he's telling them, I am giving you a rope, and that rope is the Holy Spirit. Use it. And so what happens is these, these disciples of his, they go back to Jerusalem, and they go back to this place that they've been staying in called this upper room, and they're there for a few weeks, and the Bible says in Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. And about two weeks later, the day of Pentecost comes and 3,000 people get saved that day. They, they, they learn who Jesus is and they accept it. We think of leading people to Jesus as though it's something that we have to do on our own. But the bottom line is we need, we need help. We need Jesus. It's not about me convincing somebody about the truth of the gospel. It's actually about the Holy Spirit doing the convincing. And so that's why I think prayer is going to be something that we cannot ignore when it comes to the Theophilus in our life, that person that we want to see know the gospel. Here's another, another quick story that I shared a while back with my small group. So if you're in my small group, you can stop listening to my message because you've heard everything I've ever said. Um, but I was, this was probably like 17, 18 years ago, and I was going to um, get licensed to be a minister. And so I was sitting in this room with a group of pastors, and they were interviewing me, and I remember specifically only one question that they asked me. The question was, have you ever led anybody to Jesus? I'm going to be honest with you. There was a part of me that kind of bucked at that question because something didn't feel right, and I didn't know what it was. But I was th sitting there thinking, I'm like, what? I know I've had talks with people, and it's been good, and it's, I don't know if I've ever led anybody to Jesus. So then a couple years later, I was watching, I was watching TV, and I, I was flipping through some channels, and I came across, a, I think, a public station. I never stop at pub, public TV. I don't know why I did this time, but I did. It was a guy interviewing somebody. I think it was at Mi the Minnesota State Fair, and he's interviewing this guy, and they're talking about things about regarding faith. And little by little, this guy that's interviewing starts to present the gospel to this guy at the fair. Essentially saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus came to this earth to die for you, to take all the consequences of your sin, so that all you need to do is believe in him and accept him and, and call on him, and you're going to be saved. Essentially telling him that it's not anymore about what you do. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And so I'm sitting here thinking, man, this is, this is really, this is pretty good. And then he asks the guy, okay, do you, do you want to accept Jesus right now? And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is a really, really good gospel presentation. Anybody would give in to this one. And I'm like, yes, 
And the guy goes, no, I'm not ready. And so this part of me was like, man, failure. Guy was trying to lead him to Jesus and he couldn't do it. But then the guy got back onto the television screen and he changed, he changed my idea of what it means to bring someone to Jesus or to lead someone to Jesus. And he did it by saying something that sounded like this. He said, this person may not have chosen to follow Jesus today, but that doesn't mean that I didn't lead him to Jesus. See, all, you, all that you and I can do is we can bring someone to Jesus to, to see the truth in the gospel, but they ultimately have to make the decision for themselves. And actually, that's part of the good news about this whole God thing is that he gives us free will. He doesn't make us and force us to do any of it. At some point, a person has to make the decision, but our job is to lead them there so that they can make that decision. And I'm telling you, it, it changed the way I looked at this stuff. But it also helps me to see that prayer is needed. Prayer is absolutely essential. The Holy Spirit is going to play the biggest part in people coming to know who Jesus is. Um, so I want to also, I want to tell you another story that is, it happened this week, and I am, I can't even tell you how excited about it I am. Every time I think about it, I get a little bit giddy, okay? Um, I want to, the reason I want to tell you this, I think it's going to help you see how, how important it is, this directive that Jesus has given us to make disciples, but that also he's doing everything he can to throw us a rope and to help us get there. Okay, so I'm going to take you back about four weeks, and Elena the girl that's a little bit taller than me that was singing over here, just a little bit taller, she came into Starbucks with a friend a couple weeks ago, and I was sitting in there with somebody else. And this is a friend of hers from her community college. And so they're, they're funny, they're friendly, and so we're just talking up, we're laughing. And I don't know if it was then or if it was later, but Elena's like, hey, is it okay if she comes to youth group? Now, we usually don't have college-age kids come, but I'm like, hey, if she wants to be in there with sixth graders too, I'm fine with that. Let her hear about Jesus. So... Uh, a couple weeks ago, she brings this friend to youth group. Now, I want to give you a little bit more of the story. Elena, she should be a senior in high school right now. Um, she kind of did high school a little bit different way, did online school and all that stuff, and got done with credits. So she got done and, um, after a junior with all of her high school credits, and she was actually going to go to like a beauty school in Madison, decided not to do that, found herself at UW Rock County to take some credits there. Um, actually, quite a few credits there. And... This friend of hers, interesting story with her, she was going to go to a totally different college. She, she was a, she's a good athlete. She thought she was going to go and play some sports somewhere, had an injury. She said that she was bitten by a shark, and I fell for it. She just had surgery. Um, <laughs> she's cool. I like her. It made me like her right away. She's, actually, she said it was on both legs. She showed me scars on both legs. Yeah, two different times, got bitten by sharks. And I was like, no, but I, I like, fell for it. And then she just made me feel stupid. Um, but... These injuries caused her not to be able to go to this college, so she ends up going to UW Rock County. And they find themselves in this class together. Another thing about this, they're next-door neighbors. They don't really know each other. And God puts them in this class together. So two weeks ago, her friend comes to youth group. And again, this is, I try to make things good for a sixth grader and for a 25-year-old, that they would all understand it and get something from it. She enjoyed it, luckily. She comes back this week. She enjoys being there again. And she's, she's leaving. She's out, outside of Fox Hills. Um, I'm outside saying bye to some kids, saying bye to some parents. And then I catch her right before she gets in her car. I'm like, hey, you're not, you're not going to say goodbye? She's like, actually, you know what? I got some stuff I'd like to talk to you about. So I'm like, oh, come on in. 
we end up talking for an hour. Everybody had left at that point. We're talking for an hour. We're just talking about things about faith. And in the midst of this conversation, this girl is getting it. Everything about Jesus. And it's just making sense to the point that I'm like, hey, I don't know if, if this, this might be kind of weird for you, but if you, want, if you want to ask Jesus in your life, I'll, I'll pray with you. And you can just kind of repeat something. That's not weird. Let's do it. It was awesome. I'm telling you, this is why, this is why you, we do what we do. It's, this is one of the most exciting experiences that you can have with somebody. If it's your kids coming to know who Jesus are and you've been training them, or if it's somebody you just met a couple weeks ago. But I want to bring us back to what transpired for all this. Their neighbors didn't know each other. They were two years apart in school. Didn't really hang out ever. Elena, God uses her disdain for high school to get her into online school. And I believe it was so that she would one day get into this Rock County class with a person that she hadn't hung out with who was her neighbor, but this was the best place for them to get together to become friends. Why? So that this girl could know who Jesus is. Telling you, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to work situations and circumstances in ways that we never could understand. The cool thing about this, I asked Elena a little bit about what happened there, and she said, you know what, I've been praying for her. Sometimes God will, I'll, I'll be driving and, and God will just bring her to my mind and I'll say, Lord, open up her heart so that she would get to know who you are. She said that there was another friend who's a Christian that, that's at Rock County that was doing those same prayers. So tell me that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to do the big work that we can't do. I, I'm telling you, it was so fun because I got to call Elena that night and, and tell her, hey, this is what happened with your friend. And she was like, she was at Culver's and she's a typical girl. She like starts crying, like all giddy and stuff. But I'm telling you, these moments... It's what it's all about, you guys. I guarantee this. Jesus has bigger plans for the people in your life than you ever could have for them. Jesus had bigger plans for Elena's friend than what Elena's friend thought or than what Elena thought. Jesus has bigger ideas for your kids and for your neighbors and for your workmates that, than you ever could. But I think we need to start to to be willing to pray for the Theophilus in our life. I think in America today, we've got this snarky attitude amongst a lot of people about what prayer is. You know, something bad happens in life, and some, you know, people will be like, hey, I'm praying for you. And then people on social media will get on there and be like, ah, why are you just praying? Why don't you do something for him? Here's the deal. If you have faith in Jesus, and you don't believe that prayer is doing something, I'm telling you, God, God does things through prayer that we never can do our, ourselves. If we're trying to bring a Theophilus to Jesus, it's not going to be done without prayer. Uh, Luke 11, Jesus tells a, a little parable. Uh, this guy is in his house, and he's, he's hungry at night. He's trying to feed his kids. He's trying to feed himself, and he's got no food. And so what he does is he goes to his neighbor's house, and he starts knocking on the door and banging on the door. And this neighbor, he's in bed. His children are in bed. These are probably one-house one-room houses. And so if he gets up, his kids are going to get up, all this stuff. And so the man starts yelling back, stop knocking on my door. Go home. I'm telling you, if you come to my house at 1 a.m. and you start knocking on my door, the truth is I'm probably going to get up. I'm probably going to get up and come to the door. But I'm not going to get up and come to the door to give you bread. I'm probably coming to beat you down because <laughs> you probably just woke up my kids. And now me or my wife usually my wife, is going to have to find a way to get them back to sleep. I would try, but they just don't like me as much as her. That's just, who does, <laughs> really? Um, so this guy is knocking on this door, knocking on this door, and Jesus is like, just keep on knocking, because at some point, 
the homeowner's gonna come out and he's gonna give you bread. In Luke eleven thirteen, he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, even if it takes a long time, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's not dependent on you and me alone to bring that Theophilus in our life to know who Jesus is, to understand the gospel. But we need to ask. And so I'm gonna close up in a few minutes here, but I wanna, I wanna share five quick things, and they're gonna be quick, okay? But I'm gonna share five quick things of the ways that we can pray for the Theophilus in our life. The first thing is this. Pray faithfully and persistently. Just like Elena, when, when God was bringing it to her mind when she was driving down the road, bringing that friend to her mind, she prayed faithfully and persistently, God, do something, open her heart to you. It says in Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray faithfully and persistently. Number two, pray for unique and God-inspired opportunities. Pray that God would use those experiences in our life that are even difficult. Pray that God would use the injury that happens in your life to bring about an opportunity for somebody to know who Jesus is. Those things happen. And don't just pray for it for you. Pray for it for other people. You've got a friend across the country who's trying, you want them to know who Jesus is. Pray that God will raise up workers over there to help that happen. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Be okay with other people getting to hit the grand slam when you've loaded the bases. See, I love, that's what happened this week. Elena did all this work of loading the bases to get her friend to where she might be ready for Jesus. And then I got to come in as a designated hitter and hit a grand slam and see, her, see it happen. It was awesome. Be okay with seeing somebody else do what you think is the real work. The real work is getting it all started. Pray that God would bring people into the lives of the people that you want to see. This is a team effort. You don't have to be the one. Remember, this is about Jesus and it's about those people. Uh, number three, pray for the words to say and the way to say it. Ephesians 6.19 says, Pray also for me for whenever I, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that God will give you words to say to people. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but there are times where I'm talking to somebody about faith and all of a sudden, something comes out of my brain and even I want to just stop and say, man, that was really good. Did you hear what I just said? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why I can say that. I'm like, that was good. Pray for those moments because they're so fun when they happen, but don't take the credit for it. Number four, pray for ears that will hear and eyes that will see and pray for a heart that is softened. That's what I love about the prayer that Elena said she prayed. She's praying, God, soften my friend's heart. Open her heart to you. Give her ears that she'll hear, eyes that she'll see. And I'm telling you what, I haven't had many conversations with people just come to know who Jesus are and they get it as well as this girl did. Pray for ears and eyes that will hear it and see it. And it happens. Acts 16, 14, somebody was listening to Paul preach, a woman named Lydia, and it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. God will open up hearts. Number five, make an appeal to God's desire to grant mercy. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I want you to understand, Moses did this. He appealed to God's desire to grant mercy in the Old Testament. There were times where God was coming to Moses and be like, hey, I gotta wipe out the, the Israelites. They're frustrating me. And Moses would appeal to his mercy. 
And God would do different things than what he said he was gonna do. Appeal to God's mercy. He wants, the Holy Spirit wants more than you do to grant mercy to people who need mercy. So we talked a lot today, I think, about things that you and I can do, and, and, and it comes down to prayer is one of them. But it, it really is all about what God is willing to do, what God has done. You see, if, if all we're talking about is what I can do to make certain things happen, we are not actually preaching the gospel. Because the gospel actually is what has Jesus already done. And I want you before, without, if there's nothing else that you understand, know that to Jesus, you are, you are a Theophilus. You are a Theophilus to Jesus. He wants more than anything else for you to know who, who he is. And he has done everything he can to get you there. Jesus has written you a love letter. If you haven't read it, it's the Bible. Jesus has, he has gone after you when you were at your worst place. My favorite verse in the Bible, Romans 5, 8, says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he's gone even beyond that, and he has become a sacrifice for you and me. He sacrificed his life. The, the greatest act of love that somebody could do. All these things, Jesus has done this because to him, you are a Theophilus. He wants you to know him. Verse 10, you guys can come up. Uh, changing someone's heart, drawing someone to the heart of Jesus. It is an impossible thing for you and me to do on our own. We have to have God doing it with us. Matthew 19 says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Who is the Theophilus in your life that you want to bring Jesus to? Do you acknowledge that you can't just do it on your own? I want you to take the pressure off yourself this morning. I want you to start to ask God over and over and over again, God, you change the heart of this person. God, you make the opportunities come about so that this person can come to know who you are, the fullness of your grace. Many people live as enemies of the cross of Jesus. But Jesus wants nothing more than to change that. And Jesus wants to change it through you. He wants to use you. He wants to let you be a help in that. My question for you this morning is, who is your Theophilus? Jesus is in the process, he is in the business of bringing people to him, into relationship with him. Who is that person, who is that Theophilus in your life that he's asking you to, to kind of pull alongside to bring him to Jesus? Why don't you pray with me?